Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. As a traveler, it's a fact you're going to need to manage your spending in different currencies. You need a service that not only helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, but also does it without the hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This is where WISE comes in. WISE is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. I've been a customer for over a decade. It's been a lifesaver for me as a traveler, a nomad, and now a permanent resident abroad. If you're a traveler who's still using your regular bank, you need to check this out. Join 16 million customers and learn how the WISE account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to WISE for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. They've interviewed 100 of the world's top CEOs and they asked them, what was your leading decision making? You know, at the end of it, what did it boil down to? And 100 out of 100 said, in the end, they said either it was my gut or it was my intuition. 100 out of 100 said that. That was a clip from today's conversation with Amrit Sandhu, who is going to walk you through how to make decisions using your intuition, among other things. You know, even if you're a negative 10 on the woo-woo scale, you're going to get a lot of value out of this show. Amrit is an internationally acclaimed certified coach, positive mindset influencer, and conscious founder and investor whose global platform reaches and serves thousands of people. You can find his work over at inspiredevolution.com. You're going to get practical tips today around finding the balance between surrender and taking action, dancing with your purpose so you are living your best life. We discuss values, awareness, handling personal identity shifts and challenges when transitioning to a new lifestyle, and so much more. A lot to unpack, and as we know as travelers, it's not just about the logistics of the trip and figuring out you know where we're going to go, what we're going to do, where we're going to stay. Yes, all of that is part of travel, but when you are building a lifestyle around your passion and your love for travel, other parts of your life are going to play into that, and it's really ultimately about living our best life, right? If we love travel, we want to get out there and do it, it's a part of us living our best life. So these are important things to unpack and chat about. And I love that we're able to share a thoughtful conversation with practical tips today. So I hope you enjoy it. Plus, in this episode, I'm going to give a shout out to a listener who shares a story which contains perhaps the ultimate sign that you are on the right path in life. And all of that is happening right now. So buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here. And Welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, it's Jason here with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. If you're new to the show, welcome. So glad to have you here. 
If you've been listening for a while, thanks for coming back and making the show a part of your life. Really, truly appreciate it. I am just back from a trip myself. I was in Bulgaria for a little over a week, which was fantastic. I'll tell you more about that trip in a future episode. Then got home, packed another bag, and left (laughs) just some days later up to rural Norway to visit my in-laws. Really beautiful up there. And really happy to be back now recording this episode with you. So let's get into it without further delay. One of the stories our guest Amrit shares today is traveling solo to India at the age of five. (laughs) It's insane and true. You'll hear what that experience was like for him. Of course, we touch on all the topics I mentioned before. And if you'd like to stick around on the back end of the interview segment, I'm going to share a listener story and give a shout out to somebody here who battled with some of the things we talk about in today's interview and overcame some of those mindset hurdles and logistical hurdles to create a life of travel. And there's one phrase that they shared in the email that I thought, hmm, this is the ultimate sign that you are on the right path in life. And I wonder if you've experienced this before. So stick around for that. Now let's get into my conversation with Amrit from inspiredevolution.com and I will see you on the other side, my friend. Thanks for listening. Can I, can I make you laugh again? Amrit. I'm with it. <laughs> I'm with it. Yes, you can. <laughs> Is it like totally sort of can. like a T T H at the end? Yeah, it's like the T. It's a T sound. It's like Amrit. 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 Come here. We're in trouble. <laughs> you said uh, I can't pronounce your name like that the Indian way because it sounds like you're getting in. Tr- you feel like you're in trouble with your dad. No, I was never in trouble with my dad. It's just yeah, it's just like uh, I'm expecting to see my dad pop out, and then there's you. <laughs> and you guys are like several skin shades apart. He's got a turban. His beard's much longer than yours. <laughs> and it's just it's like maybe I'm talking to my dad when he was like 20 or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. That his pronunciation is better than mine. <laughs> he's he's uh, he's the one that taught me how to speak the language, so probably just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't in trouble that much as a kid. Oh man, not with my dad. My mum, like man, that was that was rough. <laughs> I had my mum was a disciplinarian. I mean, my dad and I had a really great relationship. He was he was like he was my father up until probably around the age of sixteen. But then about then he sort of realised that hey, like growing up let's be mates and uh he actually said that i remember that conversation and uh i was like oh okay all right and uh yeah like he's just been a really 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 great role model uh for the most part through through my life and but there were moments where like i really and that's when like and that only really happened on like two occasions where it was like oh you're close to getting disowned, bro. <laughs> and it was like, and that's when he's like, his shoe dropped, the hammer fell, and he was like, oh no, you're done. And when dad got mad, it was just like, whoa, like the sky is actually falling, bro, which was actually a really good, it was really good. Like, cause my mum was always on my ass, and I was just like, by after a certain time, I was just like, oh man, whatever. But then when my dad like laid down the law, it was like, oh, like God is speaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the problem. If you're always riding somebody, then uh, 
you tend to just like not take it as seriously. Desensitize. Once in a while thing. Well, it's hard yeah. as a parent to find that line, you know? Oh, dude, totally. Like, totally. Like, I look back at how much judgment I had on my parents before I became a parent. And man, the number of times I've picked up the phone and just called my mum and just apologized. Like, I'm just like, mum, I'm sorry. Like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, yeah, I know you get it. I knew you'd get it. <laughs> and like, and uh, my wife, my wife's mum has this uh, magnet on her fridge, which says, by the time a daughter knows her mother was right, she has a daughter of her own who thinks she is wrong. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, that's that's some deep burns right there. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, oh, no. and, yeah. That's like Inception. Yeah. Inception or well, I mean, you, you should have been like, Mom, if you knew... Uh, if you knew you were, I would get it eventually. Why'd you ride my ass all those years? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, I was a smart ass enough, but I didn't quite get there. <laughs> yeah. But you didn't grow up in India, right? No, bro. So I grew up in, um, in Adelaide, Australia, which was actually really interesting. Yeah. So, um, one of the, yeah, I, I grew up in Adelaide, Australia. So my parents immigrated to – actually, when they first moved to Australia, they moved to Melbourne um, to a town called Shepparton, and they lived here for a bit. And then my dad worked for a while, you know, got into the um, – Got into, like he, he came over in hospitality and he then traveled around the country looking for a great city to set up a restaurant. And Adelaide had like no restaurants at the time, like Indian restaurants, and he was just amazing. Um, I think it was 20 in the year 2000, dad was named the top 10 chef across all cuisine, one in within the top 10 chefs across all cuisines in Australia. And his, he was the only Indian chef. So I grew up super spoiled, man, on great food. Like I'm one of those people that like lives to eat, not eats to live. I'm trying to be healthy. <laughs> But I like live to eat, bro. Um, but yeah, so they settled down in Adelaide, and uh, I was born in Adelaide. And but it was kind of, it was kind of epic in some ways, but also not in others. So I had no siblings; I was the only child. But that also worked out in my favor when I look back, because being an only child in a family of three, where my mum is one of nine, and my dad is one of four, and my dad's family is considered small as a one of four in India for their generation, so they had like between them like thirteen siblings, like there's thir- two of thirteen siblings, yeah, and then there's like all these kids that they've got, so they knew that I had this whole family in India, and as soon as I was like four or five, like every year you know, they would just send me over. So I was traveling as an unaccompanied minor at the age of five, Singapore Airlines. They'd sort of leave me at the airport with the, you know, with the airline people. Dude, it was dope. It was the best. Dude, it was the best, yeah, because like I was having the most incredible time traveling. And when you're that young, the hostesses don't really want to leave you in your economy seat. So they'd bring me up to like business class and I'd be like traveling as this tiny little human in this gigantic seat with like all the plushness of the world. And, uh, yeah, so I was traveling to India like every year, every two years, they'd send me over. And then one of my family members would pick me up on the other side. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. It was the best time. And Changi airport. I have like the, it's one of my favorite places on the planet, just the airport, not even like Singapore, just Changi airport, (laughs) because like we would always transition through Changi airport. Um, and just so many fond memories of a kid, you know, with like $100 in my pocket, you know, walking around. Like obviously I was getting older and I was like, you know, buying like Nikes or like jackets and like all this stuff where I was like free rate, 100 bucks. Um, yeah, great memories, man. Great memories. I think about being a kid and, you know, being in the woods in my behind my house and feeling like I was on a big adventure. I couldn't imagine being on a plane to India by myself. 
Like that seems so great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I was a city kid. Like I grew up in a restaurant. Like I grew up in hospitality vibing. And I think, you know, I, I knew this was going to come up at some point in our conversation, but Aussies obviously love to travel like so much. Like it's it's sometimes it's painful. Like you go all the way halfway across the world to like Mykonos to the Greek islands or you're in the like, you know, the Spanish islands. And, you know, you've traveled literally more than 24 hours with your bum sort of plat, like laminated to a seat. And by the time you get up, your posture is not what it was when you left. And you get there and like you meet all these new friends, but 50% of them are just from back home. <laughs> You're like, I just made like friends that live like two suburbs from where I live back home. Like, what is this? Yeah, I have to cast partial blame on the Australians for my long-term travel lifestyle in a way because they were the ones, <laughs> I remember specifically when I was on my first solo backpacking trip through Europe, that was kind of like a big transformative trip for me. I want to ask you about uh, one of yours. Yeah, and I just remember like meeting the, these Australians and them telling me they were gone for like two years, five years, and I'm just like, what is this? These people are crazy. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. Are they crazy? Like, you can do this for two, three, four, five years? And yeah, well, you just live your life on the road. And, and uh, you know, that was a big seed that got planted. So yeah, I'm going to find out what that'd be like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe this will send me Parts in Australia, they're going to be like, yeah, yeah, mate. <laughs> it's well, it's because we're so far away from everything, bro. You know, like we're this landlocked island, and also the cultures that we connect to, like we love, like Southeast Asia, especially because it's our like cheap sort of travel destination, yeah. and it's so affordable. It's like, it's like Caribbean for Americans or something. Yeah, or, and it's like, kind of like what Morocco. Central America, it's right. Yeah, it's like what Morocco and, is to Europe in some ways as well, right? So, um. It's, it's amazing, but at the same time, we kind of feel like deeply connected as a culture, like Aussies, I'm not Indians, but Aussies feel deeply connected to like the US and England in, in, in other ways. And they're just so far away that one of them usually beckons for you to travel to, like Europe, you know, or, or the States. Um, interestingly, I've only ever been to the States for work. Um, never pleasure, never leisure. I've only ever done, like I've only been to, because I, I just felt like a supersized culture of the Australian culture and I was like, I'm pretty good. Like I kind of know my culture. Um, but yeah, the Europe called me a lot. But yeah, all of that to sort of just, the point I was making earlier on was growing up in a restaurant, we have so many diverse cuisines. Like Australia is so multicultural, bro. Like I grew up, one of my best friends was Korean, one of my best friends was Greek, one of my best friends was Italian, another bloke was completely Anglo and I was an Indian and another bloke was Malaysian. Yeah, like, and that's six friends, thick as thieves, <laughs> completely different cultures, yeah? And you're all growing up together, you know you're different but you know you're the same, you know, and like I'll be, I'll be real, we were super racist towards each other but we were like cool with it because we were just, you know, that's how we grew up. Um, back then there wasn't all this cultural sensitivity around things. It was just like you're different, I'm different, all right, <laughs> like whatever. And, um, yeah, and it, it, it lent to a lot of cool stuff and I think we're exposed to all these different cultures, all these different cuisines in our diet, lots of great food here in Australia and then you're just exposed to the world but you're so landlocked that you want to go, go get it, you want to go see it. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I haven't been to Australia, actually, and it's another place I'm dying to go. you got to come. But I'll get there one day. Did you work at the restaurant and get involved? Yeah, were you, were, yeah okay. Big so time. you were... Big time. First of all, your parents' parents must have been like, like your grandparents must have been like, why aren't you having more kids? Because they all had <laughs> so many, and you guys had one. But that was probably a huge part of your childhood, I guess. Yeah, just being, big time, bro. 
big tug. You know, restaurant hours as an owner is yeah, th- those can be insane. I mean, you're just kind of totally on quite a bit. Yeah, and and like as a kid, it was quite interesting. So my parents would re- like th- their work hours were like you know, my dad would start at 10 a.m. and he would finish usually around midnight on a on a weekday. You know, sometimes. On weekends, it'd be like 3, 4 a.m. And he was back. Like he was just, he was great at hustling. He had Mondays off and he would like sleep most of the day. Um, and there's periods where he And think of us now, so. we're like, oh, my, you know, my fingers are tired. Yeah. Tired. Like, oh, yeah. oh my neck from all this. I got, I got computer neck. Like, <laughs> meanwhile, his hands have like these burns and these welts in them. And he's like, and I was like, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's cut from a different cloth, my old man. That's for sure. And um, yeah, it was, it was, awesome though bro like i now that i've got a i've got a son and i look at him and i'm much more aware of how rich my childhood was growing up in a restaurant like i like after school i went straight to a restaurant i walked into the kitchen like i owned it and i was like dude what's for dinner and my dad would be like my son's here what am i cooking him you know like it was just the best vibes uh when mangoes were in seasons like all the staffs were getting smoothie because they were my favorite things you know like it was just this really cool thing to grow up in um and also like my, my deepest values, bro, like the reason why I coach, the reason why I podcast, the reason why I do like public talks is my values are connection, contribution, celebration. Now, when you dial into it, like they were all, you know, that was all nurture, bro. In a restaurant, in hospitality, you're connecting to a lot of people, you're contributing, you're in the service industry, right? And service is like my whole way of life as a coach and, you know, public speaker. And then celebration, it's like you're generally going out to celebrate, have good vibes, you know, have a good time. And so... I basically became all of that as as an individual. So it was super formative, um, really interesting bits. Like, you know, when my parents would go home at midnight, they'd wake, like I'd go to bed at eight at the restaurant and there'd be like all these restaurant noises and I'd fall asleep through it. They'd wake me up at midnight, take me home. I'd get home, make my bag, iron my shirt for the next day, go back to bed, I think probably around one o'clock and then wake up again at, you know, at 6.37 to get ready to go to school and I'd send my, my mum would just put $10 in my hand and I just, uh, the night before, and then I would just take a cab to work, like the cab was on a roster and I'd just take a taxi to work, uh, sorry, to work, to, to school. Now as I'm talking to you, I realise I was very independent as a kid. Um, yeah. But I didn't. Yeah, but that was that was me, yeah. I guess that independence has translated into a lot of the things you're doing today with your own business and everything like that. Of course, I have questions about inspired evolution and some of your coaching and stuff like that. I noticed on, I believe it was on LinkedIn, I saw that a guru Wara has been a big part of your life, the community service there. Can you talk about Sikhism, I guess? Teach us a little bit about what sure. that is and why it's important to you. Oh, I'm imagining okay. it is because uh, yeah. over 25 years you've been involved it sounds like yeah so as a Sikh like you know I grew up as with Sikhism as my faith and it's just been yeah when you've got a faith it's it's everything to you you know um and I I remember there was periods in my life just for those tuning in who may not connect to the idea of having a faith there are periods in my life where I was completely agnostic I've been atheist you know I've 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 been around the works like you know surely science there's no god you know and then i've been through all of that and my dad has been like um he's quite spiritual himself and even through those those times where i was like dad i don't believe in god and he was like that's great and then i look back now and i asked him I was like how did you go being so fa- like faith oriented yourself but your own son not believing in not even your god just a god and he was like i 
I, I, I see you, like you were questioning whether it was or whether it wasn't. As long as you're asking questions, you're all good. I don't care. And that was beautiful because the name of our faith, seek, seek literally translates to learn. So as long as you're learning, you're growing, right? And so life is a growth experience. So the whole idea is to learn. The faith is to learn. I'm here to learn. I'm here to learn. This whole experience of life, here to teach you something, right? And uh, our name for God, Waheguru, means, um, well, it loosely translates to teacher. So guru is the teacher. So And, and you know, God is like, your God is anything that teaches you. It could be a blade of grass. Could be my dog. Could be you. In this moment, there's light in you. You know, there's you know, there's the entire creation is is pretty remarkable, and it's teaching me something about me at any given time. If I just pause to reflect, to look at it, even if I don't pause, <laughs> it's there. I'm having this experience. So it's a it's a faith that's 500 years young, um, which I think it had some advantages for me in that way because I'm like my my background is that of engineering, and I think I I am I like the science. I've got the science sort of mind. Um, the engineering sort of mind. And because it's 500 years young, there was, and I'm not saying that, you know, some faiths are wrong for saying this, but it's hard for some, for, it would have been hard for me to reconcile why I can't eat bacon. Yeah, like it was like, you can't eat bacon. And it's like, is that because they didn't have fridges back then? And, you know, like I'd be doing all this sciencing in my head and going, that doesn't land with me, bro. And I know that sounds blasphemous as I say that, and I pardon me for that, but that's just where I would have gone with it, you know? Um, and, you know, that's it, but I didn't have to do any of that, you know, because the faith was more modern. It kind of like approached, it took science in its stead. Um, and it just, you know, had these philosophies that sat beyond it. It's like, what is science growing into? It's the awareness of the unknown. What is the unknown? Build a relationship with it. What is really the most important thing about life? And some of the key tenets are humility, um, just, you know, staying humble. And again, it's, it's about learning, right? If you're humble, you learn, you can learn from anyone, anything. And that's a big part of what the podcast is, right? Like all sorts of people come on, you know, um, entrepreneurs, um, someone you asked me to reach out to connect to your podcast recently, you know, he like literally traveled around the world, just playing his way around the world, no money, only music. And I was, you know, like the most interesting people come on the podcast and, yeah, I learned from all of them. It's just a matter of staying humble. And service is another massive tenet of the faith. It's like serve, you know, serve serve others, serve the community. And, you know, after doing the podcast, having conversations with people like Neil Donald Walsh, he wrote Conversations with God. One of the takeaways from that podcast was he said, your life's not about you. People are often looking for meaning, thinking that what's the meaning of my life with the operative word being my, you know, and this real clingy sort of, and he goes, your life is not about you. It's about the people you touch. And then you look back at my faith and I go, well, that's what my faith is saying where it's like it's all about service, you know, learn to serve. Uh, yeah, serve others, serve your fellow human. Um, and that's kind of what drives the Inspired Evolution in a lot of ways as well. It's, you know, the podcast is is an offering. You know, the coaching is me trying to support others live a richer life. Um, yeah, there's, that's that's loosely the faith. Um, I don't adhere to it very well by physical appearance standards. I'm meant to wear a turban, grow a beard. Um, yeah, my wedding photos look way more like I'm like adhering to the Sikh faith. Um, and I've grown a beard, but, uh, yeah, I subsequently have, have let it go. Um, I'm sure there'll be a time and place when that comes full circle when I really come home to that identity. I feel more myself with a beard and a turban. Um, but yeah, at the moment, not so much. 
does travel in any way or your travel experiences, which I want to get into a bit, fit into your spiritual journey? It's becoming more of a thing. Um, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that there are some really special places that I would like to visit that have spiritual connotations. And recently, I guess in the last pre-COVID, so I reckon the last three years before COVID, so I would say the last six years, but there hasn't been a lot of travel in the last three years. So the last three years of traveling is about for the last six odd years. Um, most of my travel has been more focused towards traveling for spiritual and personal development because personal development and spiritual development has been such a big part of my life. Before that, I wasn't, I was more of an adolescent. It was travel to go experience. Now, I wanted to see sites. I wanted to see the world. I wanted to meet different people. Um, I was growing and I was learning definitely in those, in those moments. Um, and yeah, just, you know, and after that it became an opportunity to party. Like I was, then I was partying more as well. And then after that, like that sort of ran its, ran its time. And I was like, what, what, what now? And it's like, okay, there's, there's interesting places that you can go to visit that, you know, can help you really like tap into something special. So spiritual travel is yeah, definitely becoming more and more of a thing for me. Um, but there's always been places that you go and connect to that just means something to you. And, you know, spirituality can be sort of dressed up as, you know, again, with as a Sikh faith, God is everywhere. Like I remember going to um, the Sagrada de Familia in, you know, and going to look at it. And it was just as an engineer, you're looking at this and you're going, wow, someone thought about this and he's gone. People still be building it, bro. Whoa, <laughs> you know, like that really sunk into me. And it's, I don't know if it's meant to be a spiritual place or not, but it was for me. Um, the Golden Temple in Amritsar definitely has something for me uh, because it's, you know, it's it's a big symbol of my faith. Um, but when you go there, it, it palpably feels different. And then now that I'm reflecting in the answer to the question, uh Traveling to India, bro, India's always been a spiritual place. It's one of those places where a see, like the person in the sadhu's robes is worshipped more than a CEO. Everywhere else, CEO reigns king. <laughs> but in India, it's, you know, the priest reigns king. <laughs> you know, it's, it's always this really spiritual place, which is, you know, going to India, interfacing that. Every trip, like every time you went to a new city, you'd go see the temples in that city or in that town. You know, it's like this is where we worship. And it's like, yeah, awesome. Like, okay, that's where, you know, so it was always such a big part of it, uh, which I see even when I travel to places like Thailand and, and Bali, um, Indonesia, because like before, you know, the shop shutters go up, people, you know, say their prayers to the Hindu deities. And so that is a big influence of like Indian spirituality. So I think that was um, – instilled in me early on but not always the driving force behind my travel which i can see it slowly becoming that over time certain trips will definitely avail themselves for spiritual development we'll get back to the interview in just a moment this episode is brought to you by u.s bank recently i went out for tacos and it wasn't even friday yes we have taco friday in norway not taco tuesday well more importantly i could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells introducing the u.s bank altitude go visa signature card earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery including tacos plus you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and ev charging stations you're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services go to usbank.com altitude go 
to learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why We're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now, back to the show. The backpacking days, let's call them, or the pre, you know, you mentioned kind of being on the road to explore the world. What, What was that for you? What did that mean for you? How long... Did you travel for? Tell us a bit more about that part of your life. Yeah, so I, I did never you do really... the typical Australian thing and leave for like multiple years. <laughs> yeah, no. So that was the, so that was the thing. So I um I never really left for an extended period of time and just pulled the plug and just went no. Um, the longest I've ever lived away from home was when I was well, one stint um, when I was I think it was grade four grade five, grade four as a kid. Um, my mum took me to India and I lived six to eight months in India. Um, and she tried to put me in school there and that really didn't work. <laughs> they were just like, Indians are really good at maths, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm good at maths, but like, these guys are just well, like. Aren't you I'm an like, engineer? I am, bro. I am, but I'm just what like. What are you I'm building? Just, I hope you're I'm good just, at math. I'm really good at maths, but I'm I'm like hanging on those Somewhere genetic. Somewhere there's a bridge co- falling in Australia. No, no, bro. No. I'm not hanging on those genetic coattails, bro. These guys were just like on another level, yeah. Like these guys are like yeah. going to grow up to be pure mathematicians and like yeah, right. answer the questions of the universe. And I'm just like, yeah. Let me just make sure everything stands still. <laughs> you know, I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. But um, <laughs> questions of the universe written in numbers, well. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, so I lived in India for a bit. That was the longest. The second longest trip I had was when I moved, lived in uh, in Brazil. Um, that was about three months when I left. Uh, when I finished university, I kind of knew that I was going to like you know if that was it, I was going to pack down and go to go to work after this. And you know I had a really good job lined up for me, so that was you know. But how I travelled prior to that, when like this was like university days and pre, just as I was getting into universities, I would work a lot. Like there was a time where I was holding down three jobs. Yeah. And rarely going out, but I figured out a way to hack that, right? I was the bartender. So my mates would come 
to hang out at my bar. So I was leaving the house to go to work and have a great time with my mates, but I was the one making money. They were the ones spending their money. Yeah, so it was this real, I, I, I don't know, like I look back and because I was in hospitality, I, I, I didn't even realize I was doing it, but after a while I started realizing, I was like, this is dope. And then I picked up a day job in retail um, at a store that, you know, I just really love the gear. My mates would always come and go through it all throughout, you know, Adelaide's a really small town. People would always be just sort of walking through town and just stop past and I'd see a lot of my mates. So, again, a lot of that connection. Um, and, yeah, and then also, you know, after after a time, I got a little town planning job because I was, you know, studying to be an engineer. And so I would, you know, hold down these three jobs, juggle all of that, save up lots of cash, and then I would go, like, travel for a month. Like, it would go blow off steam, you know, and I'd just – I'd – I wouldn't be sort of shoestringing it because that was kind of my idea of people that were backpacking. It's like, okay, like measuring every penny. I've never figured out how to work while I was away. I would just work heaps and then go, all right, work hard, travel hard. <laughs> yeah. And then I'd go explore and just spend, you know, like, yeah, $10,000, $20,000 like that <laughs> in the span of a month or two and then come home. Um, so that was kind of my approach. Yeah, I mean, that's one way to do it, of course, right? Like the save and splurge technique, let's call it. Yeah. <laughs> but you have a full-time job, right? Doing the engineering stuff. And then you also do all of your stuff with Inspired Evolution, which is in coaching and all that. And you're a newish father, right? Mm. That's quite a lot going on. Is Are you having a hard time? <laughs> balancing it all is there is there an end game to like kind of all right close your ears if you're the employer of amrit is the end game to kind of switch over to inspired evolution uh, and let's, just do that full time or let's let's dial into the digits of exactly what's going on right so for a few days of the week i'm employed yeah full time and uh what that looks like actually is it's this is a trip how this has happened as well and I still pinch myself on the regular this is happening but my job is called engineering planner yeah and what that involves is having conversations with people to make sure that they're all on the same page and prior to that like when the inspired evolution started I'd had enough of engineering and that was the idea of like all right cool man like let's start I'm inspired to evolve to follow into the the path of what I really love and want to do and you know I'm just going to go follow that. I disconnected from engineering cold turkey and just, you know, left it for a minute. And that eventually started this, like the podcast was going and then eventually people from the podcast came up and said, hey, will you be my coach? And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll coach, you know, what do you want to coach on? And they're like, I want to have these conversations with you that you're having with others, just have those conversations with me. And I was like, all right, let's see how this goes. I'm not qualified. I'm not certified. Subsequently, I've become, you know, I've got four various different certifications on different things, Gene Keys, Eckhart Tolle, Mind Valley, Heart Math. But back then it was just like I was just going with the flow of where things were going. And then I started realizing that the podcast would thrive if I had more finances to support it. The website creation, the coaching business would thrive if I had more finances to establish all the online elements and that sort of stuff. I could totally bootstrap it, and a lot of people do. But the way I looked at it was, okay, if I bootstrap it, this is going to take like three years. If I don't bootstrap it, everything, the infrastructure will be up in 12 months. Um, and so that was uh, quite the sort of wake-up call to go, okay, let's just go see what's in there. Now, the podcast in that time changed me drastically because I had these episodes on intuition with coaches and teachers, like lots of conversations on purpose. 
and surrender. And so I was like, okay, you know, and my intuition led me to this particular role that I'm in now. And yeah, it's the least engineering role I, I could ever do. It's a conversation. <laughs> it's seriously, it's a conversation based role. My favorite thing to do is conscious conversations. That's why I podcast. That's why I coach. That's why I do public speaking. It's a conscious conversation with a room. And right now it's like, walk around, find out where people are misaligned, communicate those misalignments to them, get them on the same page. And I'll be honest with you, I spend 50% of my time talking to people about the work and where they're misaligned. And I spend the other 50% of the time really getting to know them and going, hey, like, how's your life going? How are you going? How's the family? Just because I'm a people person, right? It's just what I would do anyway. It's just Amrit being Amrit. But what I'm coming to learn is actually these guys are leaders within organizations and I'm learning heaps about their pain points, their problems, where they fall short, where they feel like they're falling short, where they're selling themselves short, whether actually they can achieve more. And I'm like soft coaching leaders, even though it's not part of my day job, I'm learning everything about leaders. So all roads long-term kind of lead to leadership coaching. Um, That's super obvious now. Uh, But those steps, it wasn't super obvious when I started out, you know, and I'm sure when I get like as well, I'm already a leadership coach, but, the roster of clients is five clients, um, but I'm sure that'll continue to expand as well. Um, and then once, you know, that sort of tapped out to 40 clients, which is when I was a purpose coach, just now I'm a purpose and leadership, but evolving into more leadership coaching um, because a lot of the people I help get onto purpose have then become leaders and then that has sort of stuck. Um, and I'm still their coach. It's like, so who am I now? I've already helped you pivot what's next and it's like well continue to keep me aligned to the work that i'm doing and making sure that it aligns to my values and my calling in life and that i don't you know sway off kilter how do i manage teams how do i do all this that and the other it's like sure let's figure it out as we go um well i want to dig into some of those themes you mentioned because i think you know having a discussion around some of those will help some of the listeners listening depending on what they're up to today and and how it hits their ears and you, you never know on any given day yeah, some of these themes. Uh, we'll, well, we'll take the three that you just mentioned. Intuition, purpose, surrender. These are deep themes, three words, and a lot of depth to each of these words, I suppose. Not always easy things to to kind of suss out, right? Depending on depending on what you're what you got going on. So, I can apply these to a lot of different things. You can apply this to you know, transitioning your life to have, you know, more travel or, or take a gap year or a career break or trying to, trying to change careers or, or maybe you're just, you know, content with everything that you're doing and you want to be able to just tap in your, to your intuition a little bit more. We can start with intuition. I mean, do you have any techniques or practices yeah, that let's go straight there? Yeah. Yeah. To kind of like, yeah, just kind of make sure that, that, do you currently have a choice in your life right now? Like, do you have, are you picking between A and B in anything in your life? Do you have like a choice that's sort of arising? Well, hold on. Before I answer that, let me ask you this question. Yep. Is it even important to utilize our intuition in decision-making? Absolutely. So they interviewed a hundred of the world's top CEOs. Yeah. yeah. Only a hundred? Come on. Yeah. So they interviewed a hundred. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> They've interviewed, oh. right? So, oh, okay, yeah. and they've interviewed a hundred of the world's top uh, top, uh, top CEOs, and they asked them, "What was your leading decision making? You know, at the end of it, what did it boil down to?" And a hundred out of a hundred said, "In the end, they said either it was my gut or it was my intuition." A hundred out of a hundred said that. The next question they asked them, which I love this question, right? Great questions get me going. 
would you tell your 2IC or your second in charge or your team that that's what you based your decision on? 100 out of 100 said no. <laughs> no, well, you can if you're answering to a board and everything like that. You can stand in front of the you know, investors that are giving you so millions like, of dollars. What is this say, world I'm we going with my gut here. <laughs> it's a thing. It's a thing, right? It's a total thing. So, yeah. yes, absolutely. It's vitally important. It's vitally important. Well, I mean, well, in that way, I mean, that's another reason to bring it up because I feel like it can get categorized as this sort of unimportant thing or like, well, you know, like that's a perfect example. You can't, a CEO can't say that publicly because people then, at least the people that they've answered to wouldn't, wouldn't take that as a rational answer. So why is that irrational? Cool. So let's, Let's pretend this is a coaching session for just like two secs. Yeah, oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not going to coach you. But I'll, just <laughs> okay, get, I'll, give you, I'll give you a quick insight <laughs> in terms of like what coaching looks like. And then it's like, okay, so 99% of this reality is carbon-based, uh, right? So it's a carbon-based reality. 90, and they say like 99.7. The rest is all the different stuff that makes everything look different. But it's literally carbon-based. So it's made of all the same stuff. And your body is made of all of that stuff. Yeah. Yet your mind is consistently flicking, it's bombarding all these information, all these screens. Yeah, totally. Get it. But your subconscious, your body, your body is made of the same stuff that the universe is made of all around you. Now you can call that spirit. Some people call it spirit, some people call it universe, some people call it God, some people call it creation, whatever you want to call it, right? But it's everything that's around you. Now, if I could say, hey, if you just slow down for a moment to connect back in and just go, I wonder what beyond my limited mental bandwidth, which has these frags of memory, like like bits and pieces, you know, this consciousness that we possess, which literally is based on time and we see things, everything like one moment to the next moment to the next moment to the next moment, which time is potentially illusion. That's what the quantum is bringing forward now. But nonetheless, connect back into the everything just for a moment to go, what is the information that is beyond my awareness that can be brought into my awareness right now? Doesn't that, like, you're connected to everything because you're made of the same stuff. You're 99%, 99.7% carbon. Like, it's all into, it's tapping back into the interconnectedness, resting back into your nervous system, allowing your subconscious to present something through you. What is your subconscious connected to? God knows. So you're drawing on more information than your conscious mind has. Yeah, now some people will call it spiritual intuition. Some people call it tapping into embodiment. Everybody calls it something different. But your intuition is, for me, tapping back into your gut. Yeah, And your gut in Chinese medicine is where the outside world meets the inside world. So it's taking that information from the inside to the outside and going, okay, at the nexus, I'm here looking to decide. The etymology of decide is to dissect, is go pick one over the other. And this is where the outside meets the inside. What does my inside have to say about the outside and the path that I'm putting forward? Why do I have to choose with just my head? Absolutely listen to what your head has to say. Absolutely. Not saying what your head says and just listen to your intuition. Not at all. But absolutely give your intuition space to be heard and see what it, what it wants to say. So I've got a quick exercise. Do you want to do it? Do you have or like it's super quick? Yeah, of course. Cool. 
Awesome. We, we, this you, is a podcast, dude. We have like all the time in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a, are you, are you at a juncture like put in anywhere in your life? Are you choosing between two things? Like could be something as mundane as should I get this car or that car? Or, you know, should I put my son in this school or that school? Um, or it could be, should my podcast go in this direction or should it go in that direction? It could be anything, man. Um, I feel like on every, any given day, I'm choosing between like 50 things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you need a specific thing. You don't have to share it with me. You just have to feel into it. Okay. So it could be as personal as you need it to be. All right. I got something. Yeah? Dope. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can share. I mean, we're thinking about switching my son's daycare to another one because you brought that up and that was a good one. Yes. Sweet. Awesome. So daycare, let's call one daycare one. Have you got an idea of what daycare two looks like or is it just any Uh, other daycare? Only through neighbors because neighbor friends go there. Okay, cool. So we but do. But I was have a thinking about this earlier, and I was already. Well, go ahead, do the exercise. Maybe I'm cheating a bit because I've already thought about this a bit. But all right, close down your eyes. Take a couple of deep breaths. Just whatever you take to get into a basic meditative, connected sort of space. Just continue to breathe for a little bit. Breathing in. Anybody listening should do this along with us as well. Yeah, as long as you're not driving. Always yeah, that don't do this if you're driving. I'm talking then, with my eyes closed, by the way. Come back. <laughs> Breathe in. Okay. Breathe out. Breathe in. Cool. So in this space, bring to mind what we'd like to call daycare one, the existing daycare. And just as it does that, Just as you bring it to mind, is there a color? Is there a feel? Is there an energy to it? What's the feeling that you get? Do you feel open? Do you feel contracted? Do you feel worried? Do you feel elated? Is it blue? Is it green? Is it yellow? Does it feel dense? Don't let me program it for you. Just feel into it for a quick sec. Okay. Cool. Come back. Couple of deep breaths again. Reset. Another breath. Okay. Dope. Now bring into mind daycare two. New beginnings. Fresh start. Is it right? Does it feel open? Does it feel contracted? Feel into the energy of it. There's no right or wrong, just is it open? Is it contracted? What are the colors? Do you feel an emotion? Does it make you angry? Does it make you happy? Cool. Just coming yeah. back. That should be sweet. Open your eyes when you're ready, bro. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Took a whole 30 seconds. <laughs> right Right? how'd you go yeah i I mean i think it's the right decision to switch it just feels better what makes okay it just feels better yeah yeah i mean when you the i guess the the thing that i grabbed onto and you know everybody listening might have grabbed onto some something else but the constricting and open thing Mm. 
that you yeah. described. That was the. It's interesting. That's what I feel too. Some people get a lot of colors. Like some people see brown when it's like. I got dark colors and too, but some people see yellow for when like things yeah. that are right or like white light. But I, I it was I, yellow I'm, actually. I got yellow. Yeah, cool. Interesting. And the other one was red, but that might be because the building is kind of reddish. It's nothing. Yeah, it's just a. Uh, yeah, well, it's, that's a whole other topic, but mm-hmm. that's cool. That's a nice practical exercise. You can just take a, some moments to. And now you can still make your decision with your head. Yeah, so you can still go, actually, what are the pros of one and what are the pros of two? Now, one of the things I will say is I've been at really intense forks in my life. And what it's done for me is thanks to the Inspired Evolution, I've gone, man, I'm like at a distinct fork. Like I could go this way and it'd be amazing and I could go this way and it'd be amazing, but I can't do both. And at those points, I've like run like, and I can take a long time to make a decision, bro. Like, I, it's taken like a two weeks. I'll sort of like just be on this sort of anvil, like just sort of grinding myself down, going like decision, man, like pick one. And it's like, I know more is lost to indecision than wrong decision. And yet I'm just hustling on the edge of it because it feels huge in my head. And it's like, just pick one, bro. The night, you're just going to succeed in either direction. They're both amazing options, but you can only do one. And so sometimes I've closed my eyes and then I had I, that done that exercise and gone, oh, sh- <laughs> I'm going to do this one. And even when I said, oh, sh-, it was like, oh, I wanted to do this one, you know, and it elicited that. But in that moment, it was like, I wonder what do I do in this instance because my head is telling me to go here and the way I look at it, my intuition, my heart is telling me to go here, even though that doesn't feel like what my head is telling me I want to do. But all the systems, like it felt open, it felt lighter. And then I took this opportunity and I went on with it, right? Um, and given time, random things happened, like COVID happened, things locked down. Um, and it was like, if I had taken the other opportunity, I would be in such dire straits right now. But I took this opportunity and I am like weathering this storm that everybody's weathering with much greater grace, touch wood, than everybody else. Like this is phenomenal. And so if you base your decision-making based, based, based on intuition, do check back after a certain period of time and go, how did that decision go? And you will often find, I found with, you know, coached over 200 people now, often you will find that it's like that was the best decision I could have made, right? Now, I can't guarantee it for everybody. Obviously, it depends on how well you do the exercise, et cetera, et cetera. But that's been my overwhelming experience is you look back and you go, oh, that was way better than I even could have planned it. Thank God I listened to my intuition. Yeah. I have another decision to make that's a better one. So I'll do that exercise later. Well, I like that. I like the two pronged approach, right? You're not saying don't use your head, like you said, but you I'm an engineer at that. the end of the day, bro. <laughs> you gotta, you, yeah. You I mean, away. you could just add yeah. that into your decision-making Absolutely. process, you know, when you're kind of looking at things instead of everything being analytical and maybe you just take a moment to sit down and do that exercise to just be like, all right, well, let me, let me do this part of the decision-making and just see how this feels and, you know, do it one way or the other, but that's cool. Thanks. Uh, we appreciate the practical tools here. So maybe so anybody listening is, you know, on the cusp of making some big decisions about career or travel or whatever, go ahead and give it a try if you didn't already during that. The concept of surrender is an interesting one because it is wonderful in execution when, when you're when you're there, when you're with it, when you can really feel it. And I don't know about you, but some days this goes up and down for me. You know, like one one thing might be one specific example would be, let's say, like a income generation, right? Like you know the amount you're earning. One day you're just 
or at least for me, I would just be like, I'm just using a specific example, be like, all right, you know, I'm surrendering to this. I'm just going to keep doing the work I'm doing and, and work on these things. And I'm not going to overanalyze and what will be, will be. And then the next day I'm like, you know, might be down on myself. And the next day I might be totally practical, like, Hey, I got to do this, this, and this. And, you know, I got to force this. I got to make it happen. And, you know, of course you have to take action to make things happen, but there's all of these forces at play and they're all, some of them in your mind, some of them are in the physical world in terms of like tasks that need to be done and things like that. How do we surrender in a way that allows us to gracefully move through our transitions, our decisions, things like that? Look at surrender as a coin. Yeah, just philosophical coin for a sec. And you're absolutely right. It's a huge topic, yeah. Um, and for those that want to go all the way on surrender, I cannot recommend enough a book called The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. Yeah, I've Please read check that. it out. Please read it. Twice. I've read it. Yeah, I've read it literally over the span of like nine months, like every other day. Like literally it was just like a companion for nine months. I've read it like over a hundred times in audio. The one thing about it though, I appreciate, because one of my favorites is The Untethered Soul. Yeah. That's just <laughs> Did you read that one book. first? Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and I read this, reread this uh, surrender experiment last year because I was thinking about surrender around some of these topics I just mentioned. And, mm. uh, you know, one thing is like, I, I always wonder too a little bit like, obviously he was working his ass off too. You know, yeah, yeah, there's absolutely. no absolutely. doubt about it. Like you can't build the kind of company he built that he was describing in that book by just sort of, but a lot of the other things that happened, it was pretty interesting. Like the land and the companies yeah. and the amalgamation. But there was a, uh, yeah, exactly. But, you know, that's, this is where it's tough because he has the one side on some of the company stuff in that totally. book and, and not to, and anyway, to summarize for people. How much you do you let like a, go and how much do you take charge and control, right? And Surrender yes. has this invitation to completely let go, right? So the point I was going to make was, again, coaching head on for just a sec. So, the other side of the surrender coin is trust. So if you flip that coin, on one side it's trust, on the other side it's surrender. So if you're trying to work on your surrender, the question is how well do you trust, right? And so an easier question to ask yourself potentially, again, coaching hat on for just a sec, is do you believe that the universe is at all times conspiring for you towards your greatest good question mark and when i ask that question generally i'd say 50 percent of people i've asked that question more have gone mm, i don't necessarily believe that like, well because what? everybody's experienced hardships right so then it's hard to cool absolutely reconcile those two things it is right, right? totally agreed Right, and that was—that's my own challenge. Like when I when I look at that, I still got I've still got work to do on surrender. Because when I check in with that question, how much can I trust the universe has my back? I go, oh, I'm not trusting here, and I'm not trusting here, and I'm not trusting here. Therefore, I'm holding because I can't trust, and because I'm holding, I can't surrender because I'm holding because I can't trust. So the invitation is for me to learn to trust and see what happens. And this now becomes more of like a yogic dance, right? Because you are, as you learn to soften, 
things start to open and you see where they go. Now, the ego has a tough time with this because it can be things as deep as financial control when you've got a family to support and stuff like that, right? But spiritually, you're being called to to grind it to the point where, you know, they say what you what resist persists, what you resist will persist, you know, and then eventually it gets to the point where, like, you're forced to let go of something that doesn't serve you. And for some people it's kind of graceful. For some people it can be quite toxic touch wood you know hopefully everybody's process is filled with a ton of grace um but that is a more useful question i find is how much am i trusting yeah and so trust doesn't require me to just completely let go i can trust that the inspired evolution is my calling and that leadership coaching is my calling and that invites me to show the up right i don't just let go and just let the universe you know i'm trusting that this is my path but I also trust that this is my path and my path requires me to then get on with it, right? So, and this now starts to bleed into similarities of like law of attraction type sort of stuff. You've still got to punch the, like law of attraction, absolutely. You think about it, you punch the coordinates into the GPS, but you still got to get in the car and drive the damn thing. Otherwise it's just sitting there, right? So you can think about surrender and learn to let go. But surrender means letting go of what you think you need to do. And like becoming a parent is a huge part of that. Like I learned so much about surrendering as like becoming a parent. It's like my life previously was 80% about me and tw- like, and the inspired evolution fit into that. And 20% of it was like my mates, even my wife. Yeah, she fit in that 20%. She was in that 20%. I'll be real with you. Um, travel was in that 20%. You know, like 20% was like all this stuff. And my life was like me podcasting, me learning to play the guitar, like me doing me, me obsessing over random, reading all the time. Like it was just about me. Like my life was just about me. Maybe my travel was included in it however you want to look at it, right? But that was what the focus was. Now, as soon as my son came through, the ratio flipped. It was like, whoa. And I think that's where like postpartum depression kicks in. Your your identity dissolves, yeah? Like it's this huge thing you go through. So it went from 80% about me to 20% about me. And I had to squeeze everything into that, the podcast, the travel, the music. 5% right? about you, dude. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I'm a life coach. I got this sorted. <laughs> so my life's 20%. That extra 50% now. <laughs> no, I've only got one kid yet. So maybe maybe next kid it goes down to 5%. <laughs> Touch wood. And then... was about making sure that there was a roof over the family's head, making sure, you know, wife was, you know, pantry was stocked because she's doing the mama thing, you know, making sure all the groceries were on point, everything she needed to nurture the kid was on point and making sure that I could provide for my son and my son had a a present father, yeah? So that became 80% and it was like, whoa, you know, like and learning to surrender. You asked this question earlier, how do you juggle all those things? Now, if it was like me trying to control and keep a hold on the inspired evolution, doing what it was doing, you know, my work, like all these things, absolutely not. It wouldn't work, right? And I'll give you a very practical example leaning back to that question that you asked ages ago in terms of surrender. So what came through for me is like, Amrit, your life is shifting in this 80-20. You can feel it. You've often heard Tim Ferriss talk about the 80-20, that 80% of, 20% of your clients bring you 80% of your revenue. You're currently coaching 40 people. Who are your 20% that bring you your 80% of the revenue? And I was like, boom, 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 these five people. And it's like, okay, and you're spending your Saturdays coaching currently. 
but you're not connecting with your son and the feedback, the universe, surrender, your wife's reminding you that your son's only going to be this age one time, you're borderline becoming a workaholic, do you reckon this is a really special time and maybe you surrender that identity of a coach? And it's like, but man, I work so hard to build that identity as a coach and work so hard to build my business. And it's like, yeah, but you're only losing 20% income and you're getting back 80% of your time, bro. It's good economics. And it's like... <laughs> Does she call you bro? No, that's me talking to myself, right? <laughs> Total bro science here. And so, and so, and I was like, all right, like this is this is where it's going to land. And so, I I fired thirty five of my clients, and I I surrendered to what nature was showing me. It's like you're a father now. This is the next path. Now, is it easy? Is it comfortable? Absolutely not. But do I trust that? That is where I'm meant to be going. And absolutely. And I spent so, and it's interesting we say this. I had my son 18 months ago. Back then, I completely 100% identified as a purpose coach. This leadership coaching wasn't a thing. And then now, those five people that I've retained have all become leaders in their own right. And now they're like, you're not helping me pivot careers. You're not helping me find my purpose. I found my purpose. But now I need to go, like, now we're like on and let's keep going and it's like oh okay like i'm evolving into a leadership coach as my clients are evolving from you know looking for purpose to looking to lead with purpose right so as they're evolving i'm evolving and it's like had i not fired the other 35 clients i wouldn't have had the space to go that deep with the exist and so again surrender is affording more things yeah and i'm conscious that you know if i continue with my current set of clients you know, given 18 more months after three years, I think it's fair enough for me to raise my prices a little bit and have that conversation with them, you know, and that's only fair enough if they're continuing to get values three years later at the price point that they were at. And, you know, everything can organically build. And that is now I'm becoming financially more remunerated, but that's, I've just surrendered along the path. Mm. Yeah. So Does that make sense? Does that give you yeah, a practical... Yeah. You have to cultivate that awareness too on, on where you're at to be able to step out and say, hey, look, or have some people outside of you, like your wife saying, hey, this is a special time or whatever. Sometimes oh, it man, just takes, it helps so much. you know, somebody to accommodate. That's why having a good together. friend. Send you off in a total different direction in a way. Yeah, like um, good friends. Man, this is why coaching, I, I'm so passionate about it because there's been moments, actually there's been moments in my life, my wife helped me through my depression and she doesn't even know how much. There was a moment in my life where I had been depressed for about six years and I, I didn't even know, I didn't, I didn't even get like, I wasn't suicidal, but I wasn't really like, it didn't matter if I was here or if I wasn't, I was like completely apathetic, completely for about six months on the back end of when I was starting to get treatment. And she believed in me when I didn't even believe in myself. And that belief that someone else had in me meant just enough that like, hey, like, okay, this is worth it and I'm going to get through it. The key pillars of my coaching are literally like let's align, let's believe, let's create, right? Those are three things that I help people do fundamentally, right? So in there it's, you know, that belief piece is so huge. Oh, having a good friend that just will stick by you and just go, hey, like I don't think you're doing the right thing right now or actually I think this is amazing what you're doing, keep going. They're just little words, but they make all the difference and it all adds up. It all adds up. You know, having that person, like you said, just a little, because we think we're self-aware. I think I'm self-aware. I meditate, you know, I gratitude journal. I do all the things I need to be doing. 
Yeah. But there are still blind spots. I can't see my own eyes. Yeah. Like it's, I just, you know, but having good community around you is very, like, it's so helpful. It's so helpful. And stuff like podcasting helps, man. Like I get to meet people like yourself, you know, and people call things out. We discuss, we evolve, we co-create. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, even having the community here, the listening community and, and knowing we're all kind of in this together in, in many ways, you know, just kind of absorbing, learning. It's uh, There's an energy to that, I think. It's a total trip, as well, man. It's you know? a total trip. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago, and immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks, so they also make an exceptional gift. Thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever zero to travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me, Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. You mentioned purpose and this is uh, something that can also be a struggle where there can be a lot of pressure in, I'm using air quotes, finding your purpose. You know, does everybody have a purpose, one singular purpose? Is that even important to find, you know, this whole idea of following your passion? And I feel like, of course, social media and a lot of the things online because of the internet today will then throw some of that stuff in your face too, because we all can fall into the comparison trap or like, you know, if we can just never compare ourselves to what people are doing or represent that they're doing and may not even be doing the messaging of finding your purpose or, you know, even if you feel like you have some purpose, I feel like I have multiple purposes, you know, maybe I should have them written down. I don't know. Purpose is another one of those interesting questions that can make you feel good on a given day and can make you question everything on a given day. If you're thinking about it in, in the, let's say right or wrong way. I don't even know if those are the correct words, but you get what I'm saying here? Absolutely. Get what bro. I'm throwing down? Absolutely. And I love it. Thank you so much for the depth of the question you're asking. Even when you're questioning your purpose, you're coming home to your purpose, right? I believe 
you've had so many ancestors and forefathers, so many ancestors and great-grandmothers that have culminated into the tip of the spear that is you, that is alive right now. And that isn't here for some reason. Like one of my deepest philosophies and that I sit with all the time is we are the universe looking in on ourselves. Like you're the universe looking in on itself going, wow, this is pretty trippy. Like what is consciousness? What is awareness? Now, one of the interesting things you will find is when you connect four or five of your curiosities, and this is where you're saying like I have multiple purposes, I totally agree with you, four or five of your curiosities at any given point, right, if you draw a circle around them, like it could be I love talking, I love human behavior, and I love how that can, you know, take my life to higher heights. That's already three points of intersection, yeah? I draw a circle around that. It looks like a podcast called Inspired Evolution right now for me, right? could look like anything for you. Yeah, could be I like beat up old cars, I like getting together for potluck dinners and I love my home and I'm going to invite people over to hang out and do that, right? Then you draw a ring around that, you start doing it. Those curiosities, as long as you've got three, four, five of them, maybe more, if you continue to feed them as a collective, you're growing a passion. It's it's just what you're doing. like, And you are the universe looking in on yourself. So curiosity, like why the is the universe looking in on itself. So curiosity is one of the most fundamental tenets of the fabric of the universe that we're living in, in my humble opinion. And so this curiosity is something that is sacred to you. It's unique to you. The way I look at the world is like, let's grow spiritually, yeah? The way you look at the world is like, let's get out there and let's experience some right? Like, so everybody has their unique lens. Now, there's a massive challenge in the world, similar to what you were describing social media. It's like, everybody is busy trying to be Mr. Influencer or white picket fence, red Ferrari, big mansion guy. And it's like, that's not you, right? The lens, the beehive hexagonal lens that you are, maybe you're meant to be the surfer dude giving surf lessons and living the Rasta lifestyle. Maybe you're meant to be meditating up in the Himalayas. But collectively, we take on other people's values because that's what's programmed into us, that we should value all this other stuff. But what are your values? What's innately yours? What drives your curiosity? Connect back to that, draw a ring about certain things and feed those passions. And those passions actually energize you. They bring you more vitality. When you're doing things you love, you feel more energy. There's plenty of quotes about this. There's plenty of tangible experiences you've had about this. It's like, I was dog tired. I went for a surf. I came back. I'm ready to do some and it's like, I was so tired. Where did that come from? <laughs> it's like, I mean, it happened to me the other night. I, I was like, I, you know, you put your kids to bed and you're just like exhausted and you can easily just put on Netflix or something. And I was like, no, I'm going to go up and play some guitar. It was instant energy. I ended up playing for two hours or something. There you go. Bro, I'm, I'm doing it. <laughs> I'll be real with you. I'm doing it right now. I've been up since 5 a.m. It's 1040 p.m. here. And when I came to this podcast, I was like, oh, like the, you know, dinner was a while ago and, you know, the energy. And, but like, I'm in this conversation with you. And because I'm here to, to have conversation, I love conversation. It's stoking the passion. I've got so much energy. I'm going to leave this episode and I'm like, I'm going to do some push ups or something to just burn out some energy so I can go to bed, right? Because I got another early start tomorrow. But that's like, that's the passion. Now, hold on. We're talking about purpose. 
all that happens is you cultivate your passion for yourself, just like I did. I started a podcast, started having this conversation with people, right? And before I had a podcast, actually, I had a gathering. Every Friday, people would come over to my, every second Friday, people would come over to my house. And I would just like cultivate these conversations that I loved having about spirituality, personal development, Jungian psychology, behavioral psychology, all this sort of stuff, star signs, whatever. I was just talking about whatever. It was just, it was interesting, right? And they were like, you should start a podcast, serve more people. And I, lo and behold, there's a whole story behind that, but I wasn't really ready for it, but I did it anyway, got out of my own way and started a podcast. I started a podcast, having these conversations. People emerged out of the audience and said, will you coach me? And I was like, initially I had some stuff coming. I was like, mm, I'm not a coach. I'm not qualified. I'm not certified. I'm like, what do you want me to coach you on? And they're like, these conversations you're having, just have them with me. I want to go there with you. I was like, okay. And I started coaching, right? And some of my coaching clients got me my first speaking gigs. And I just surrendered and said yes as I go. Now, as soon as you cultivate your passions, over time, someone's going to call you out to come serve them, serve your passion because your cup starts to overflow. And when it's overflowing from that overfloweth cup, you can share something with someone. And as you share that, remuneration comes back your way. You're actually in service. And it's like, this is what I was put here to do and I love doing this. And for some, and for me, I love playing the guitar. Some people actually get me around to come play guitar. Now, I am by no means a professional musician yet. Like I am like complete amateur hobbyist, but I love it. Like I just, and I like in the moment when I'm playing, I think I'm great. <laughs> you know, touch wood. But when I sit back, it's like, listen, it is like, there's so much room for improvement. But man, no one enjoys himself as much as I enjoy myself on my guitar. <laughs> you know, touch wood. I'm convinced. And so people will get me around to come play music. And it's like, yeah, but I'm not a musician. There are qualified musicians in your ecosystem. But it's like, no, that's one of your passions. And you've been cultivating it for so long. People want you to come serve. Get out of your own way. Come serve. It's part of my purpose. So cultivate your curiosities to get your passion. Serve your passion to get your purpose. It's a sacred thing. Your curiosities are unique to who you are. You can't fake them. But when you're busy trying to be someone else, that's where you start to, you know, you're led astray. It's like, I want to be this person or I want to be that person. It's like, no, 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 no. Hang on a sec, self-awareness, come back. Who are you? What are your values? What are your curiosities? What do you really want to see in this lifetime? What do you really want to be in this lifetime? You, not what your mum told you, not what your dad told you. What matters to you most? For me, it's connection, contribution, celebration. You heard me say that at the beginning. As long as I'm connecting, I'm contributing, I'm celebrating, I'm Amrit. <laughs> now, that can be wrapped in and packaged as podcasting. It can be wrapped up, packaged as coaching. It can be wrapped up and packaged as, you know, seminars. It can be wrapped up and packaged as retreats. It can be wrapped up and packaged as whatever. But the essence of it is I'm connecting with you. I'm confidently contributing to you. And hopefully we're all celebrating life a little bit better. I like the the idea of treating your curiosity as something that's sacred. I like that a lot. I wanted to pull that out. And also your idea of doing push-ups after every podcast. I mean, if I, <laughs> if I, if I have a heavy podcast week, I mean, I might steal that. Maybe after this podcast, I'll knock out some push-ups. Energized. Anybody else listening want to knock Energized. out some push-ups after every zero to travel podcast, we're doing push-ups as a community. Oh my God. I've Let's turned into David, I've turned into David Goggins. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of got the haircut for it, don't I? <laughs> Not quite the six pack for it, though. <laughs> no. You're going to go run 147 miles after this. Um, okay. 
I think a lot of this can also lead to identity, which is something you mentioned earlier. And this idea of who we are based on maybe what we do or how we live our lives or whatever the case is. I, I do feel like this is important, especially for, well, for everybody. I just want to want to have a conversation about this because, you know, through my hundreds of conversations on this show, listening to people's stories about making a transition to a travel-based lifestyle or, you know, quitting their job to go travel or whatever the case, a lot of it, it involves practicalities and logistics, perhaps selling a house, maybe downsizing, maybe making some sacrifices, maybe starting a business so you have the ability to work remotely. All these things that that you can do to kind of support that. But one of the things that can be unpredictable is how you will feel. <laughs> you know, I remember talking to one couple that and they were just honest, like, you know, in the beginning felt pretty sort of lost because they had established their sort of day-to-day around this identity. They're a working professional, they're a lawyer, they they go to work, this is what they do. And now all of a sudden, all of that's just taken away and you're out there on the road. And on the flip side, having spent a decade nomadic, I remember it was a real struggle for me to kind of not just settle down, but let go of the idea that, hey, I'm not nomadic anymore. What does that mean? What 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 does that mean to me? You know, like that it works towards travel and away from travel too. And, and if we're looking at it through a travel lens. So I was just curious to hear some of your thoughts around identity. I mean, the longer I've lived, I can just tell you the more I've kind of embraced this belief that it's better to just in a way, not have an identity, but then you also want to be an individual. Uh, I don't know. It's it's an interesting topic. It's a great topic, bro. And uh, yeah, or not. I, I shouldn't say not have an identity, but maybe not. Maybe not hold on to it. Maybe not grasp it. And and like you know, it's it's like running away, and you're like pulling it. Like no, don't go. You know, it's just like, hey, we can shed these things. They're not us. It's um. Yeah, I find myself saying, actually more and more frequently these days. You're a podcaster, you're a coach, no, no. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, even, well okay, let's, let's take the coach example. When I fired 35 clients, I had like my identity, like it was like, oh my God, it, like my identity is running identity through crisis. my fingers. Like I've gone from <laughs> a successful coach because it was based around, the success was based on I'm coaching 40 people, I've got a full roster, yeah. like I am killing it didn't yeah. matter what the financials were saying for me and everybody's got different me- metrics right for me it was like impact like i'm driven by impact numbers mm-hmm. help finances help but if i have more impact i trust the money will come in right so I was like, i'm helping 40 people who are like leading other people like this is going gangbusters and then all of a sudden it's like you got to fire 35 of these people it's like Whoa. and then you're already like you know i'm becoming a dad i love my birkenstocks where are my nikes i don't even know where they are anymore <laughs> you know it's like I'm like all these like identity shits happening and you're like and it's running through your fingers now i find myself saying that a lot of personal development after a while becomes a game of identity politics with yourself it's like what identity are you going to pick and i think with yourself, like you're just politicking, like these conversations yourself. Am I going to be this person today? Am I going to be that person? And it's like, dude, just let it go. Like personal development is like development means improvement. And it's like it's suggesting you're not even fine the way that you are. But your curiosity is innate to you. Your values are innate to you. You're God's gift. You're the tip of the spear of your ancestors, your creation, nature. Put you here, bro. You are perfect. 
in so many ways. And you're a room for improvement in other ways, absolutely. But even those places, Rumi said, is where the light gets in. Our cracks are where we are most vulnerable and we actually connect with humans, right? So there is so much around identity that we try to build ourselves into, you know, and like a great, if I was coaching that couple, the place I would say is like, okay, whose idea was it to go traveling? And it's like, oh, it was my heart's. Or actually we saw all these like people doing van life on Instagram and it was just like the coolest thing and we wanted to go do it. And I was like, was it an idea in your head or was it an idea in your heart? It was like, it was an idea in both of our heads. And it's like, well, maybe you weren't meant to disconnect from your life and maybe that's a great lesson to learn. Back you go, take four steps back into your life. Your life had it really good. At least now you've dabbled in it and you figured it out. Was it a question for your heart or was it a question for your head? And they go, oh, it was actually, it was my heart that really wants to do it, but my head's having a tough time letting go of all of that. And it's like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Identity can be sticky as it's because the ego is what the, like you're calling it identity, but it's ego. You can literally sub one for the other. And so the ego is connected to safety and it's like people demonize ego. It's not a bad thing, right? It's, helps you like mediate in this 3D space-time reality. Like it's part of who you are, right? So it helps you actually go, okay, this is yes, this is no, this is day, this is night. It's it's a tool, yeah? But one of the issues with the tool is like when it's left in charge, it's going to consistently drive towards safety, which is perfect, but the world is not as unsafe as it once was, which is the world it has been like your mind has been groomed into driving for you know safety first, but the world's not actually that unsafe. I've traveled to 56 countries. I've had probably three incidences, like three, after travel having traveled for like so many years, been to so many countries. Yeah. And it's like three incidences that I can recount. Yeah. And only one of them was really traumatizing. Right. And even that like I shook off. Yeah. Like it's fine. But your mind is like trying to keep you safe. And what it also does with that is it's a sucker for comfort and convenience. You know, this comfort and convenience keeps us all in place. And so it will always, knowing that that's the nature of the beast of the mind and that your spirit, in fact, is actually free and it just wants to roam and it just wants to go run, yeah, realizing that there's that, you know, this is trying to keep me safe, but I'm abundantly free encased in a human body and the human body has this mind and the mind's trying to let me do you know and at times absolutely you know just sit at home veg on netflix eat the cheesecake do it like be safe be comfortable enjoy it let your mind have that yeah but then there's times where it's like your spirit's like dude i wonder like if i can surf that thing <laughs> that's huge like i'm gonna go see <laughs> you know like, i'm gonna just go see yeah and that's that's not your mind in that place that's not your ego that's you getting humble but getting curious and getting connected back in the spirit so in that space, was it like, was that what was driving you? If that's the case, just recognize that your identity is sticky and they've done the exact And if, if that is the case, part, part two, then they've done the right thing. They've reached out to Jace. They've gotten a coach. They've gotten someone to hold some space for him to ease them through the transition that, hey, you can do this. I've built a desti- like I've built my way to the destination that you're going through and like it's all good. You'll get there. I'm going to butcher this quote, but a guy is walking along, boom, and he falls in a hole. Yeah, like he's just, boom, he's in there. And it's completely dark. He's trying to get his way up and he can't. Anyway, a priest walks by. priest looks down and goes, oh, okay. Guy's calling out for help, right? And so priest writes a little prayer on a note with the guy's name on it, sends it down to the guy, goes on his way. (laughs) Guy's still stuck in the bottom of the hole. 
Guy's looking at the bottom of the hole. Psychologist walks by. Yeah. Looks down at him. Guy goes, hey. And the doctor psychologist goes, oh, okay. Writes him a script. Throws it down the hole. Keeps walking on by. Guy's like still screaming out for help. Yeah, he's like, hey, help me get out of this hole. Guy's mate walks past, jumps in the hole. And the guy turns to his mate and goes, you idiot. Like now we're both in the hole. What? And he's like, yeah, but I'm your mate. I empathize with you. And he goes, yeah, but what are you doing in the hole with? Like, that was just the dumbest thing you've ever done. And he's like, no, nah, mate, I've, I've actually been in a similar hole before and I've dug my way out. Let me show you how. And they get out. So it can be super helpful to tune in with your mates, to tune in to coaches, to tune in to therapists, to tune in to people that are willing to support you on your path and your journey. And these guys have done the right thing. It's like, hey, my identity is dissolving and I'm not comfortable with the dissolution right now. I'm having an ego death. Let's call it what it is. Can you hold some space for me to like birth, and as one thing's dying, the next thing's birthing. Can you hold space for the next thing to be birthed, which is the adventurer, the nomad, the me? And you've gone the other way. It's like, hey, I'm this nomad, and the nomad in me is coming to a rest, and what's spurning up is, you know, this this caregiver, this this man of the household, right? And it's like I'm looking like I'm turning into nurturer provider, like I'm putting down roots and I'm building a tree, and under this tree the kids are going to play, like, you know, and you surely would have had some mentors to help you hold space for that you know, through that process. And honestly, bro, that bleeds into one of the biggest things that like I see as one of the biggest challenges of our time is like, where the f is the tribe? Where is our community? I'm so grateful for the podcast. And in some ways it's still digital, like physical community. We need each other. We need a tribe. It takes a village to raise a family. It takes a village to live a life. Are you connected to someone that's 40 years older than you? Are you like, this is really harrowing stuff, but are you going to lose a dear friend of yours that's 40 years older than you that's going to teach you about death before your time? Like, this is what the tribe gave us. It grew us. It gave us wisdom. It matured us. It held space for us. It loved us. It nurtured us to become someone. Not to do stuff, which is what society tells do, 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 do. Become someone. Be someone. Along the lines of identity, I think one of the great freedoms of travel that people experience is that release from it, right? You travel long-term and there's no context for who you are, what you do, you're just a person showing up in a town. And, you know, I remember that being, I don't think consciously, but that, well, uh, maybe so early on in my early trips being like, well, this is just so freeing and I can just, this doesn't just have to be when you travel, you can just embrace this this mindset and just, you know, show up as who you are. You know, it's not like all the time the easiest thing in the world. I mean, it's a lot of the things we hit on today, I think it goes up and down for everybody. I'm sure, I'm sure for you as well, you know, but these conversations, the wisdom you shared today, these types of tools and mindsets and just connections around these topics and things to think about are to me, super helpful because they're ideas that you can lean on when you might be having a little bit of a struggle or you're having a great day and you're just remembering, hey, my curiosity is sacred. So, you know, don't feel guilty that I screwed off work for, you know, an hour to play guitar, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. 
wonderful conversation. I, I mean, we have a lot more to dig into, but I know it's getting late there. So maybe we'll have to do a part two <laughs> at some point. Why don't you let everybody know the goodies about, you know, where they can find you and all that. Of course, we'll link in, linking up to all this in the show notes, but feel free yeah. and if you want to share any parting words of wisdom go for it oh thanks bro um, a favorite quote or something you know yeah um, thank you so i um for those tuning in you've heard me mention the word values a few times um it's if you can get really clear on your values just like i'm clear on connection contribution celebration right and one of jason's is probably adventure it might be curiosity but it's something like that you can just tell that's one of his highest values um based on everything you know being a nomad for so long and you know even the curious curiosity that he brings to his podcast so knowing your values is like a game changer yeah because it like my wife's biggest value is integrity mine's is connection now in some instances like i'll just keep it super short because we're wrapping things up but like if i meet someone and they're being an ass to us i just i walk away i don't say anything to them you know, I'm just like, I don't want to connect. I'm out. And she's like, someone needs to tell that person they're an asshole. And I'm like, I'm not that person. I'm disconnected. Peace. And she's Somebody like. Somebody else can be that person. <laughs> but, the, but, there's, but there's been moments where it's like when I was younger and I was like, why am I not the man that my wife wants me to be? Why didn't I say something? And it's like, and then once you know your values, like that, that's gone. It's like, dude, you're not, not a man. Like you're you, you're connection. You're Mr. Connection. You're Captain Connection. She's Mrs. Integrity. She wants someone for him to know that dude in her integrity, that is not an okay behavior. And she's absolutely right. Yeah. And because I value the connection between us, if she wants me to say something, she can ask me to say it and I'll go ahead and say it. Absolutely. But I'm not going to say it of my own volition. Never was, never going to. I'm Captain Connection. Right. So knowing even that's like one small example, then you look at all the examples I gave you, like your life, like my coaching, even the, the work that I do, walking around, having conversations with leaders, I'm connecting, I'm contributing. Hopefully their work gets done. They get to celebrate. I'm living according to my values. It so much more flow shows up in your world. That's at the heart of purpose, right? So if you want to discover your values, all of that to say, if you want to discover your values, inspiredevolution.com forward slash values. Quick, short, 20-minute exercise. In 20 minutes, you do the bulk of the exercise, you've got your values. Like 20 minutes of your time. And I know 90% of you listening to this won't go do it, which sucks in my humble opinion, right? Please go do it, right? Like inspiredevolution.com forward slash values. You have to listen to another 20 minutes of me talking, but I promise it's maybe even better than this. <laughs> Probably way better than this. <laughs> this, is, this has just been humble old me, but maybe this is way better actually because Jason's been actually asking the questions. <laughs> but it's super valuable. It's super practical. If you got something out of the intuition exercise, take something away from your values. Get to know your values, please, right? It's going to be super, super useful. Um, yeah, if you can put up with 20 more minutes of me, I think is the point I was trying to make. I wasn't trying to say things were good or bad, part of me. Um, and so there's that. And if you guys want to subscribe, please, it does me a massive favor, YouTube, inspiredevolution.com, uh, sorry, youtube.com forward slash inspiredevolution. That helps me out a great deal. Every subscribe, every thumbs up, every like, every heart really helps um, the show grow. And just to be complete transparent with you guys, what it does is it puts the show in front of more people every time you do that. And every time you do that, the the social proof around the show grows and then that enables me to have conversations with more and more interesting guests because that's the key metric that the guests sort of usually ask for. It's like, how many people are watching your show? So every time you do it, like a thumb is like the equivalent of five, like five views. And every time you subscribe, it's like the equivalent of like 10, 15 views. So it does me a massive solid. So 
watch some stuff if you were up for it, but at the very least, if you could subscribe and like some stuff, it'd go a very long way for me. Um, and then if you're interested in coaching and all that sort of stuff, amrit.coach is really easy. If you're interested in more things around the Inspired Evolution, corporate trainings, podcasting, seminars, retreats, and that sort of stuff, inspiredevolution.com. So just to wrap that up, make it really tight for you, please go to inspiredevolution.com forward slash values. If you're up for it, subscribe on YouTube, um, amrit.coach for all things coaching, inspiredevolution.com for all things inspired evolution. Lastly, just to plug what the message in my heart is, is that your health is your purpose and your purpose is your health, right? And you may not give a about purpose right now, but you know, you may be feeling stress. Stress is a free life coach in your life. It's letting you know that you're off center, you're off kilter, you're not on your path. It's a feedback life. Your entire life is a feedback mechanism. When you're feeling in flow, living in alignment with your values, things flow better. So if you align to your purpose, you will be the most healthy, radiant, vital version of yourself. You'll experience levels of vitality that just are there when you're following your calling. It's literally that simple. Um, Can be a challenge to execute on. There's plenty of help, support in that space. There's heaps of purpose coaches on LinkedIn if you search it. I'm here to help you if you need it. Um, If you're into travel and switching lifestyles, obviously Jace is here as well. But that's my message, that your health is your purpose and your purpose is your health. If you're off health, where are you finding fit and fulfillment and meaning in your life? If you're off meaning and fulfillment, it's likely that you're unhealthy. Bring yourself back. Just continue to recalibrate and dance between those two things and live your fullest, richest, best life. Love it, man. Love the conversation and appreciate you as a friend and a friend of the show. And thanks so much for, for bringing your wisdom here and getting into all this, all these various topics today. We have a lot more. I mean, we didn't even hit on, you know, the subconscious mind. I mean, <laughs> grief. that's another, that's another multi-hour episode, right? That's just yeah. one, one yeah. of many topics. But I appreciate you and look forward to staying in touch. Thanks again. Oh, man. It is such a gift. And I just want to honor acknowledge you before I jet, bro. Like, seriously, it... It just shows just yeah your ability to listen the the gravity of the questions that you've asked on this like in this episode really it means a lot to me like I feel super honored being here and having this conversation with you man like absolutely love what you're about and how you show up in the world and yeah just sharing in these conversations as you know it's my purpose <laughs> so affording me the opportunity and the uh, and the ability to do this with you here has been a real treat man thank you so much again for everything that you do Thanks, for bud. myself and for others let's go knock out some push ups okay. <laughs> I'll race ya. Big love. There you have it. I want to thank Amrit once again for stopping by to share his wisdom. Really appreciated that conversation. I hope you did as well. Thank you so much for sticking around, for listening to the show. And if you haven't signed up over at zerototravel.com, please join the newsletter. I send it out once a week, most weeks, and got a bunch of cool travel links, tips, musings, all that good stuff. You can sign up over at zerototravel.com slash newsletter for that. Now, I want to give a shout out to a listener of this show, Amber. Subject header, your show changed my life. So cliche, but true. Thank you so much, Amber. I'll read a snippet of her email and talk about this phrase she shares. I wonder if you'll catch it when I'm reading it. That lets you know you're truly on the right path, I believe. Uh, And this falls in line with a lot of the themes uh, that we discussed 
on the show today. So she starts, Hi, Jason. I wanted to tell you how much I love your show. It has changed my perspective on life and hence my actions in life in so many ways. This show has given me the courage to help me make the decision to do the leap of faith. I'm 42 and have my master's in nursing and have worked hard to climb to the top of the corporate ladder in healthcare. However, after I landed my dream job with great pay and benefits in a company that I have worked 20 years with, I really began to struggle with self-identity and the stress of the job. I had worked hard my whole life to build my career, and here I was in this, quote, dream job, working long hours, stressed, and feeling completely disconnected with who I was. Money replaced my freedom and time, and I was miserable, even though I could afford to buy my dream car or dream house or whatever I felt like. I started to soul-search about what I wanted and asked myself what was holding me back, and I realized I felt weighed down by consumerism. I was buying needless things to replace an emptiness I had. What I wanted was to travel and have freedom of time and be happy with what I did for a living, regardless of how much I made. This was a slow epiphany that grew. As it grew, I began to embrace it more and more, but I didn't know how to change things in the beginning. The feelings were overwhelming, and I was scared to leave my job and the security of the bi-weekly paycheck, benefits, and retirement behind. I told myself I had finally made it and I was going to ruin it all if I left my job. I would disappoint my family and friends and I would look like a failure. I tried to do the fire method but was so miserable that I decided I had to live life now and not wait. Around this time, I discovered your show and wow, it blew me away. She goes on to say, The first time I dared to think that this was possible almost felt like jumping out of a plane. It was exhilarating and scary and took my breath away. Your podcasts have helped me to reconnect with my obsessive passion to travel and to connect spiritually with my inner self, which I had shoved deep down to grow my career. Somewhere along the way, I lost myself and I desperately wanted to reconnect with who I used to be, someone who loved to travel as much as possible and cook beautiful ethnic meals. I am a foodie and have time to enjoy life again and explore. Woo! And here I am. After a year of planning and saving, I am so close, it's painful. I sold my beach property to pay the last of my debt, invested the rest I have, and I will reach the amount I want to have saved up in the spring, and then I am free. I plan to put my resignation in, implement my succession plan, and start traveling. Thank you and congratulations to Amber for making it happen. And she shared that phrase that... When she started to dare to think that this was possible, it almost felt like jumping out of a plane. And she said it was scary and it took my breath away. That was the phrase, took my breath away. And I'm not to toot my own horn here because <laughs> I'm not. But my wife has told me this story where we met and we were in Brazil and she was walking by herself. And this was after we met and she was thinking about the whole thing we were having, which is a whole other story. And she said all of a sudden something took her breath away just thinking about it. That always stuck with me because it's like a sign, right? I mean, if we're so overwhelmed with something that it takes our breath away, it must be a good sign, right? I'm wondering if you've ever experienced that, if something's ever taken your breath away in that way, whether it's a life decision, a destination, a travel site. I think this is something we've all experienced at some point in some way on some level. And I just wanted to highlight that phrase because if anything is taking your breath away recently, pay attention to that. Pay attention to that and dare to think about it. That will be the uh, challenge for the day, I guess. I'll leave you with a challenge. Yes, I, I didn't have it planned, but there it is. Dare to think about something you haven't dared to think about for whatever reason. And I'll do the same. Okay, 
I'll leave you with a quote to wrap up this show. This one is from a listener. Another shout out, a bonus shout out here. I got an email from Rachel, who is slow traveling for a year. And she mentioned at the end of her email, and she says, and since you asked for listeners to give you quotes, here are a few of my favorites, though I can't promise the attributions are correct. Okay, so I'll read a couple of my favorites from the list she gave me. First, from Nick Haralambus, who said, plan in decades, think in years, work in months, live in days. That's a wise one. Albert Einstein, pretty smart guy. Life is like riding a bicycle. In order to maintain balance, you must keep moving. And Joseph Campbell, who said, we must be willing to get rid of the life we've planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us. Wrap it up with that. Thanks again for being a part of this listening community. And I'll see you next week. Peace and love to you and yours. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 